Never say die! Hello, everybody, and welcome to 40 Going On 14. I am Mike. I am Patrick. I'm Joel. And I'm Josh. And I gotta get up, gotta get out, because I got you, babe. Everybody and welcome to 40 going on 14. I am Mike. I am Patrick. I'm Joel. And I'm Josh. And I gotta get up, gotta get out, because I got you, babe. Wait. What? <laughs> Never mind. <laughs> Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Groundhog Day show. We are And Russian Doll, yeah. Yeah. Groundhog Day versus Russian Doll, a movie and a TV show that share the same thematic things. But not so much plot-wise. But don't yeah, watch no. Angry. Don't watch Angry. It is. Don't watch Angry. Yeah. Don't drive Angry. But don't, don't drive angry. angry. Yes. But he's applying it to. Ah, uh, he's doing a thing. If I'm I didn't watch a... Angry, I wouldn't watch anything at all. <laughs> That's a secret. You always watch Angry. <laughs> yeah, but this week we are going over Groundhog Day, the Bill Murray classic uh, against Russian Doll, a recent Netflix. Short form TV show that just came out to 2018, 2019, but they got picked up for a new uh, series this year, second season. Very nice. Yeah, so we have opinions about that. Yeah, if you like opinions, you'll probably find some on the great shows on the podcast collective, such as I Am Salt Lake, Tales from the Hard Side, The Dog and Deuce Show, Talk Music to Me, and of course, The Red Dead Radio Hour. <laughs> Not so much on the solo this week, huh? <laughs> That's all you get. That's all I'm getting. So if you're looking for our, our older stuff, you can find us on uh, Apple Podcasts. You can find us on Google Podcasts. You can find us on uh, pod, all over. Blueberry, Stitcher, TalkShoe, Podverse, FM, NoonFM.com, Podchaser. Yeah, if you can't find us, obviously don't know how to use a web browser, apparently. So If you can't find us, you're not trying hard enough. Completely. We're out we there. We come pre-installed with Bing. Uh-huh. <laughs> And the new album from you, too. I'm still kicking myself about that one. Supposed to be a groundbreaker. Bing! Everyone just thinks we're porn. Right? We're not. Bing. Go to hell. I thought we were porn. No, just you. I'm going to put my pants back on. (laughs) No, 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 no. I wouldn't. Don't be be jumping to conclusions here. (laughs) (laughs) I'm sorry. I I just know Patrick and... Pants are always optional. <laughs> He's like Donald Duck. Sometimes I like to Donald Duck it. Yeah. He's just wearing like an ascot. And that's it. <laughs> and a captain's hat. That's it. Yep. That's pretty much Patrick on a plate right there. You wonder why you're not getting any dates in Texas. Well, they shouldn't be looking in on me. This is my own private time. <laughs> that's how you go to, to, to Walmart. I think we should start pushing the phrase Donald Duckin. <laughs> Like, <laughs> I'm Donald Ducking it. I'm Donald Ducking it today. Man, you are where? What are you wearing? You got like a bow tie and a tuxedo. Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> He's Scrooge McDuckin' it in that case. <laughs> Don't come in. I'm only half dressed. Yeah, it's about that time now. I, 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 I think sure isn't. Oh, no, no it isn't. We got to talk have, about the voicemail and the, and the voicemail a, number. We have a voicemail. And if you would like to leave us a voicemail. What number would I call, Patrick? 708-NOW-RAP. 708-569-77257. That's not right. (laughs) This is why Pat doesn't do it. Like, only wants to say it after I've already said it, apparently. All right. 708-NOW-RAP. 708-669-9727. Click and call on Facebook, too. Put us in your speed dial. Call Josh whenever you call. His phone rings. Yay! All right. Someone actually did that. So we've got a voicemail here from Karen. (gasps) Yay! 
Hey, 40 going on 14 guys. Listener Karen here. I binged a few episodes this week and had to call to say that Josh's dried salsa injury is now tied for my favorite Josh story. Your contender being into a car, not knowing that the belt of his trench coat didn't follow him in until it eventually got stuck in the tire well and his coat tried to kill him. So those are tied for sure. In terms of injuries, I won't bore you with the details, but I have a history of knee issues and surgeries and my most recent injury in December is actually going to end up resulting in me having knee replacement surgery in about six weeks. So I will be catching up on shows while I'm laid up. So get ready. I'm sure I'll have deep and insightful commentary coming soon. I'm about to listen to the vacation episode. Um, I love these movies. I was very happy to see that they all got put up on Hulu recently. Christmas and European are probably my favorites totally random, but have you guys ever seen National Lampoon's Senior Trip? It's not at all the same caliber, but it has a very young Jeremy Renner and a sort of meatballs style juvenile kind of comedy. Worth watching once. Anywho, love you guys. Love your show. Always a pleasure to hear from Karen. Yeah. Sorry about your knee, but thank you for listening. And yes, I, I did almost get run over by a car I was riding in. That was a thing. And we were there for that. Oh, my I was God. sitting right next to him for that. that was, uh, I remember it was my that. car. I was driving. Yeah. Uh, that was a good time. I almost got to run him over. If I'd gone under, I was taking Mike with me. Yep. <laughs> the best thing was when the first time it happened, when he got smacked up against the door, he looked at me like I had done something to him. <laughs> yep. <laughs> You're like, oh, what? What are you doing? Those days when personal safety was left to the wind. That poor car. We abused the shit out of that car. Fuck the car. That hurt. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Good times. It's about that time? That time, yeah. Yeah. I think it's about that time. I I think with everything we did to that car, it was self-defense at that point. (laughs) (laughs) All right, here we go. This week in music, movies, and TV. So this week we are going with February 12th, 1993, the release of the original Groundhog Day. So the number one song in the land was I Will Always Love You by Whitney Houston. It was her longest charted number one song with 14 weeks at number one. And the week following Houston's death in 2012, the single returned to the Billboard Hot 100 after almost 20 years, becoming a posthumous top 10 single for Houston, eventually peaking at number three. Once again, I say meh. <laughs> right now, Kevin Costner is crying somewhere. It's a great song, and I think her rendition is really good. I have no opinion whatsoever on it. Yeah, I mean, that's about all I really... I mean, it's not like I have a deep and abiding affection for it. It's just, it's a good it's a good song, sung by a great singer. We know it's your ringtone. Only when you call. I like Whitney Houston. I have no, I have no issue with her. I, I listened the hell out of that first album when it came out. A lot. Anyway... Carmen Electra released her self-titled debut album, Carmen Electra, on February 7th. Other albums released this week included Radiohead's Anyone Can Play Guitar, Diggable Planets, Reachin', Duran Duran's Duran Duran, and Megadeth's Sweatin' Bullets. Sweatin' Bullets! <laughs> it was a decent album. It's not, it wasn't their best. I mean, Peace Cell's probably their best, but mm. it's still a solid record. You know, Carmen Electra has workout videos. I mean, just like all of them do. All of who? I mean, every, like, celebrity has a workout video. Come on. <laughs> Martin Short workout video. <laughs> I like Danny DeVito's, personally. <laughs> First, you take an egg. I would I would love to watch Jiminy Glick's workout video. That would be very funny. I would completely watch. Now, and her, then but, you don't work out. Mm. All of hers are Carmen Electra's aerobic striptease collection. That sounds about right. Yep. I'm getting a workout just hearing about that. <laughs> I'm going to get Megadeth's workout video. I'm getting a raging workout. (laughs) So on February 19th, Elton John was forced to end a concert in Melbourne, Australia, a half an hour early when a swarm of grasshoppers invaded the stage. Now, are we talking about the cookies or the insect? No, the the, the 60s group. Oh. (laughs) Wasn't that one of the plagues? Elton John? (laughs) Elton John Locusts. It's in the Bible. 
All right, moving on to movies. <laughs> Number one movie in the land was Groundhog Day, which opened at the top when it released, knocking off Loaded Weapon 1, which at the time I'm pretty sure was just called Loaded Weapon. Right. But on the internet, it is now listed as Loaded Weapon 1. Gotcha. Sort of like World War 1. Right. It'd be, it'd be pretty pessimistic to call it World War One right off the bat. Right. <laughs> Back then, we called it the Great Loaded Weapon. <laughs> nice, nice joke. That was well done. All right, movies released this week included Groundhog Day, The Temp, and Untamed Heart. The Temp. What is that? That's the one with Earl and Fenn. No, Tom Hartman Boyle. Wait, directed by Tom Holland? Holland. Not that Tom Holland. Not that, I was like, dude, the guy was supposed to be like two been years old. Five right then. Yeah, yeah not, he was 93. He was not born. <laughs> like, that's not, amazing. Not that Tom Holland. Timothy Hutton. Well, that makes sense. Laura Flynn Boyle. That makes that's sense. That's who I was thinking of. Dwight Schultz. Huh, this is kind of a weird cast here, because we've got Timothy Hutton, Laura Flynn Boyle, Dwight Schultz, Oliver Platt, Stephen Weber... Why is Steven Weber back in this again? We talked about him last week enough. Man, we've, we invoked the Steven Weber curse, I guess. We said his name five times in the mirror. Steven All right. Weber. And finally, on February 12th, production began on the film Toy Story. Starring Laura from Boyle. <laughs> Steven Weber. <laughs> Took a long time for them to finish that one. Well, wasn't wasn't Toy Story the one where they almost lost all the data on that? And it wasn't for the fact Toy that... I think Toy Story... Toy Story 2 was when they lost, almost lost it. Oh, okay. Yeah, because I know that like, the one person had everything on a portable drive and some, everything at the office crashed. And Yeah, somebody accidentally put an, an erase file into the programming. It was you know, supposedly by accident. They were, they, were doing, uh, they were doing actual work and like, suddenly like, the hat disappeared. I'm like, what? And then, like the the holster disappeared. They're like, what's going on? And then the pants disappeared. They're like, why is he, why is our character disappearing as we're working on it? Yeah. Why is he Donald Duck in it? Yeah. <laughs> Do you remember that time we wrote that thing into Josh's computer that said when he looked when he booted up and we just had it right? De- Jay did it where it just wrote yep. delete and every file that went on his computer. Yep. Jay, Jay and I wrote that together, but he did all the obvious programming and stuff. But, yeah. The heavy work. Yeah, you just yeah. cheered him on from the side. No, I mean, we wrote the, what, what was going down, but he's the one that actually wrote the, the actual virus, quote-unquote virus. The problem is, is it didn't have a realistic-looking box, so I didn't fall for it. Right, yeah. It was, pretty, it was a pretty low-level attempt. Yeah. Yeah. The way those DOS viruses go back there. Yeah. Well, we weren't really looking to do any real damage, so it was it was pretty hard to come up with something benign to do. Right. I mean, he did enough damage on his own, really. We're talking about the car again? No, I'm talking about talking about trying to trying to reinstall Windows in a cigar box full of floppy disks that aren't numbered. <laughs> Fun times. Uh, anyway, the top shows in the land were 60 Minutes, Home Improvement, Seinfeld, and Roseanne. Oh, 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 oh. Very 93. That doesn't sound anything like Roseanne. (laughs) It didn't sound like Seinfeld. That sounded a little bit like Roseanne trying to breathe in. (laughs) Pre-CPAP Roseanne. Also this week, Michael Jackson talks to Oprah Winfrey, aired on ABC on February 10th, and drew an astounding 90, or I'm sorry, 39.3 rating, 56 share with 90 million people watching. It was Michael Jackson's first interview in 14 years. And this was right after what album just released? That was that one. Bad, I think. Yeah, it was right after Bad. Oh, man. So he was still huge. Yep. Also, the original Double Dare aired its last episode on February 13th. Hey, call back. Go find our Double Dare episode. Yeah, it's out there. We did that thing. Jennifer Lindsay Stone, born February 12th, is an American actress known for her playing Harper Finkel on Wizards of Waverly Place and for playing the main character in Harriet the Spy, Blog Wars. Because that's a thing that happened? You know You know what's worse is the fact that I know exactly who this is. Well, you've seen a lot of Wizards. I yes, I have. Yeah. And you know you know who has played the dad in Wizards of Waverly Place? See Thomas Howell? Dom DeLuise. No, Dom DeLuise's son. Oh, Peter Deloise? Yeah. He was actually he was actually really good. And all, all, but the thing is he's good enough to make me laugh 
and make me miss Dom DeLuise and make me wish that they do. I really think we need to have another cannonball run. It's it's coming at some point. It has to be. You think so? With Ryan Reynolds. Huh. I mean, I, I you know what? I, I really miss the ensemble cast movies. Ensemble comedies? Yeah. Now, if you're going to do Cannonball Run, okay, so you've got Dom DeLuise and you've got Burt Reynolds. Who are, who would you cast for that those roles now? I can't I can't see Burt Reynolds being Ryan Reynolds. He couldn't carry that. He's not smarmy enough. I don't know. I mean, he's pretty smarmy. Yeah, he's pretty true. smarmy. So you go Ryan Reynolds and Jonah Hill. That's what I was thinking. Oh shit, that would be fantastic. Although Jonah Hill isn't fat anymore, so he's not very good. Is he though? I mean, look Josh at the, Gad. I mean, yeah, he's lost. <gasps> Josh Gad would be a good one. Yeah, yeah. Josh Gad. I just but jo- but Jonah Hill in the Jack Elam role. Hmm. Yeah. I like I like the cut of your jib, man. <laughs> Put your pants back on. All right. So born February 19th, Victoria Dawn Justice is an American actress and singer. She rose to fame on Nickelodeon in the 2000s as Lola Martinez on Zoe 101 and later as Tori Vega on Victorious. She also appeared in the films Fun Size, The First Time, Naomi and Ellie's No Kiss List. These are all kids movies, right? And the acronym of the week, which is TBWCW. Pretty sure that stands for Tom Brokaw wants Carl Weathers. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know why I watch that. Oh, you put those two guys together with a little bit of broth? You got a stew going, baby. <laughs> Ew. Pat, what is that? Uh, well, it's not Tom Brokaw. I'll tell you that. That is the boy who cried werewolf. Yes. And who can forget the first time they viewed boy who cried werewolf not carl weathers (laughs) (laughs) so justice has recorded several songs for the soundtracks of her acting projects including victorious and spectacular see these are the type of people that i make me to reason believe that there are like cloning fats under disney because they're just cranking out these these kids they're creating them hey welcome to real world you're an actor now and and they can all sing dance and act and Mm-hmm. Well, act is in quotes, but yeah, doing making more doing money out of than we are. I know. I was gonna say doing better than me. <laughs> and lastly, in sports, on February sixth, Arthur Ashe, American professional tennis player who won three Grand Slam singles titles, died of AIDS-related pneumonia at forty-nine. He remains the only black man ever to win the singles title at Wimbledon, the U.S. Open, and the Australian Open. This was a pretty big shock to me because, yeah, I, I was an Arthur Ashe fan. Yeah, yeah. He hadn't been seen in years, and then suddenly, just you know, just oh, he's dead. Everybody's like, yeah. "What?" Huh? Very influential in the world of tennis, Arthur Ashe was. And moving on, Leslie Fletcher Townsend was an English cricketer who played for England, Derbyshire, and Auckland. He was the leading all-rounder for Derbyshire, and at his peak, probably the most deadly bowler on a sticky wicket. <laughs> owing, to, owing to his <laughs> damn it, owing to his perfect length and ability to turn the ball back from the off. That sticky <laughs> wicket is dynamite. <laughs> his pace was almost medium, and even the most fleet-footed of batsmen could not hit him easily on a bad pitch. However, his lack of flight and variety made him less effective on good pitches. Townsend was also an enterprising middle-order batsman who set a long-standing record for most centuries for Derbyshire in a season in 1933. He died on February 17th at 89 years old. There was a lot of cricket terms in that paragraph. Yeah, there was. Quite the deadly bowler. Lastly, on a little bit of an aside, not quite sports, more recreation, I threw this in for uh, one of our loyal listeners, Brian. George A. Stevens Sr. was an American inventor, entrepreneur, and the founder of Weber Charcoal and Gas Grills. Stephen is credited with the invention of the Weber Kettle Grill by cutting a metal buoy in half, which he began selling in 1953. 52, sorry. He died on February 11th of this week. Good on him. For dying? No. For looking at a buoy and going, I bet I can cook out of that. <laughs> and that's it for the tweet. You want to play us off, Keyboard Joel? Never say that. Goonies never say die. Going on. Hello, everybody, and welcome to 40 Going On 14. I am Mike. I am Patrick. 
I'm Joel. And I'm Josh. And I gotta get up, gotta get out, because I got you, babe. Wait. What? I have the most amazing case of deja vu right now. 1993, the movie Groundhog Day was released upon the world. Like a flock of doves in a Michael Bay movie. (laughs) (laughs) So a weatherman finds himself inexplicably living the same day over and over and over again. Directed by Harold Ramis. Rest in peace. Rest in peace. If you do not know Harold Ramis, you're listening to the wrong show. I was also the writer for Ghostbusters, Stripes, and a little bit less. Well, not writing. He wasn't that. He was knocked in, knocked up. But uh, analyze that. Analyze this. He wrote some for Thirty Rock. Yeah, I mean Club Paradise, Ghostbusters, Meatballs, Caddyshack, Stripes. He is a comedy legend. Yes. Also written by a one Danny Rubin who is known outside of Groundhog Day, is also known for Freaky Friday, Hear No Evil. That's weird. There's pictures of what we watch for the now in his IMDb profile. Huh. For a brief moment, I thought he had written that, but I'm wrong. He also was part of SFW, Hear No Evil, Groundhog Day, and something called Our Own Devices, which came out in 2018. Our Own Devices is a web series that takes a look at what would happen if Siri and Alexa started talking to each other which is something I've never even thought about. Not until now. I know, right? I'm glad I don't have either of them. This also will star just stepping into his career, Bill Murray, as Phil, Andy McDowell, Patrick's favorite. Absolutely. (laughs) As Rita, Chris Elliott as Larry, Stephen Tobolowski as Ned, Brian Doyle Murray as Buster, Marita Garrity as Nancy, Angela Patton as Miss Lancaster, Harold Ramis as the neurologist, Michael Shannon as Fred. And that was Michael Shannon's first role. Really? Yep. Huh. This was also the era of uh, Maria Garrity's career where I firmly believed that she was just Julie Haggerty who hadn't aged at all. <laughs> right. <laughs> I felt the same way. Okay. It wasn't just me then. Nope. Yep. So some trivia on this one. Bill Murray was bitten by the groundhog twice during shooting. Murray had to have an anti-rabies injections because the bites were so severe. Fucking Foxitani Phil. Yikes. Screw you, Groundhog. But good on you, Bill Murray. He was delicious. He also had to have rabies injections when he did Ghostbusters because he got bitten by the dogs. <laughs> That's not funny. Why am I laughing? I don't know, but I appreciate it. All right, Harold Ramis considered Chevy Chase. Steve Martin and John Travolta for the role of Phil Connors, but he considered them all far too nice compared to Bill Murray, which brings up a question about Chevy Chase. Well, in what world is Bill Murray considered not too uh, less nice as Chevy Chase? uh, You know, Chevy Chase has kind of, especially with like the vacation, dirt, nice sensibility. You know, he's not, he's not like mean spirited or anything. His on screen persona is a Uh, nice guy. Yeah. He's a doofy dad down the street. Exactly. All right. I'll buy it. On the DVD, Harold Ramis states that the original idea for Phil was to live February 2nd for about 10,000 years. Later, he says that Phil probably lived the same day for about 10 years. When Laura and I were watching this again last night for the umpteenth time, I we were discussing this because I've always kind of wondered, and I know there's different theories on it online, about how many how long he was truly in that loop, especially considering how he went from not playing a lick of piano to... The scene where he's playing it in the... Mm. The general consensus seems to be around eight to 12,000 days. Days? Yeah. I wonder how many years that works out to be then. Like 30-something years? It's a long time to be caught in that loop. Hmm. Oof. That's kind of crazy. I feel like I've been caught in that loop since I crossed 30. <laughs> I was going to say since we started <laughs> recording this show. Not this episode, but uh, this show in general. Uh Originally, Phil was supposed to hunt down the groundhog in his lair. This was changed, however, since it seemed too much like Caddyshack. Hmm. Yeah, I could see that. Makes sense, yeah. Also, Chicago radio legend Steve Dahl was asked by Harold Ramis to be the radio announcer at the beginning of every day, but the radio, his radio partner didn't understand the movie and didn't want to do it. Makes sense, I thought. Who was Steve Dahl's partner at the time? Roald Dahl? No. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Chevy Chase? I'm going to look that up while we talk. There you go. I, I very much doubt that this has been the first 
viewing for oh no i mean this isn't even the first viewing for us for this podcast yeah yeah i've seen this movie too many times to count yeah same i mean this is a classic it's a staple in my rotation for Mm -hmm. sure this is a movie with andy mcdowell in it which pat likes and a movie with chris elliott in it which i like (laughs) it's crazy town chris elliott is kind of my spirit animal in a lot of ways that is true Get a Life is a show about my life. Oh. I, lo- I love Get a Life. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I'm a Chris Elliott fan. Chris Elliott is basically if Joel was funny. <laughs> oh, 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 oh. <laughs> I'm going to stir your mashed potatoes when I see you the next time. Uh, I hope that's a euphemism. I hope you have mashed potatoes. Only if you're Donald Duck in it. Want <laughs> to put some chives in your mashed potatoes. <laughs> So in this one, whether he dies or he just goes to sleep, whatever happens, he wakes up and I got you, babe, is playing on the radio and he just goes through the day again. Yep. Like the two people that listen to our show who haven't seen it. Yeah, that, that's that's your basic premise. He's trying to figure out why he's repeating the same day over and over and over again. And after a while, it drives him kind of crazy and he goes through a suicidal phase. And then after that, he goes through a, well, let's, you know, Let's find. Let's go through an altruistic phase, and he starts. You know, well, actually, before after that, he goes through a learning phase, and then he goes through altruistic. Mm-hmm. You know, so. Well, and he goes through a brief kind of negative phase where he, you know, he steals the money and stuff like that. Yeah, yeah. But they don't go too far down that path. He gets engaged to Nancy Taylor. I mean, you have to. You have to kind of preface this with it's not Bill Murray as we know Bill Murray. If it's Bill Murray as being the biggest jackass that he completely be. In the very beginning of the movie, he's not a likable person whatsoever in the very start. And it is where I get the nickname calling myself the talent, obviously. Mm-hmm. It's also worth mentioning that this is the movie that uh, made Harold Ramis and uh, Bill Murray not speak until Harold Ramis was on his deathbed. Yeah. Which sucks. Wait, jump it back now. What now? Yeah, this was this was the movie that drove the, the final wedge between Harold Ramis and Bill Murray. They already had kind of a contentious you know love-hate relationship professionally um they'd worked together many times and butted head a few heads a few times but they so vehemently disagreed on how this movie should be treated that it, it that they were not speaking by the end of it wow yeah they and they didn't speak again until harold ramus was dying yeah the story of how that happened is crazy too because uh like bill murray wasn't even really sure where harold lived and he basically like went to the cops in the area and was like take me to my friend's house and who's going to say no to Bill Murray? Yeah, they knew who he meant, and they got him there. Wow. Well, we're going to have to rewrite when you die, Pat, because I had this all planned out, man. <laughs> I'm just going to go to Texas. Take me to Pat's house. Take me to my friend's box. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, I mean, as for, as for as much as we have going on in the background of this one, this is a movie that will undoubtedly make me laugh no matter how many times I've seen it. Well, and it's just kind of fun to think about the possibility. I mean, not the reality of it, but just kind of the idea of being stuck where you can keep doing the same things over and over and kind of like have this permanent vacation, so to speak. But at the same time, it's hell. It's funny because the thing they thought about is one wanted to make a comedy and the other wanted to make a very philosophical movie. And without both of those component pieces, this doesn't work as well as it does. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I love the whole time loop phenomena. We see it in other stuff, including what we're going to talk about in the second half. But I mean, you also see it in like Legend of Zelda Majora's Mask. You see it in Happy Death Day. There's going to be a bunch of video games coming out in the next couple of years that revolve around the whole caught in a time loop concept mm. and i just love it and this is the first time i remember ever seeing it in entertainment well i think it's the first time they did it really well in entertainment it's the first time it was approached with a i mean i i recall some 80s movies about time travel type of thing where they were stuck in a loop that weren't very good but this is the first one i remember being where there is almost the 12 step of like, you know i don't i reject this i accept it type of thing going on and you see over time, the uh, character arc of of Bill, I don't want to say Bill, I want to say Phil. <laughs> you can call him Bill. I, okay. I don't want to call him Bill because I want, I want, I want Bill Murray is always a great guy in my head. Now, Phil, Phil's kind of a jackass in the beginning, but you see that that character arc where he kind of comes to terms with everything after, you know, which honestly is my favorite scene is where he's got the, the groundhog driving the truck into into the train. 
probably my favorite death of all of them. But uh, see that character arc with him realizing well, how he's been living his life and coming around to it at the end of it. And then he finally snaps out of it. I just uh, looked at it. This is the second film done for English speaking audiences featuring time loops. The first one was just three years before. It was an adaptation of a short story called 1201 PM. That was again remade the same year as Groundhog Day. Huh? Yeah, but there were two Japanese films, The Girl Who Leapt Through Time and Yuritsa Yasura 2. And then there was a, a Russian film called Mirror for a Hero. But yeah, then it was basically just two versions of 1201 and then Groundhog Day. Hmm. I got curious. This movie is so good that they, they study it in universities. It's actually used in Buddhist teaching. They made a masterpiece. I mean, the the anger and whatever was going on behind the scenes, the fighting, you know, it, tur- it turned into a just what is really just an amazing movie. And it's funny to say that when you're talking about a comedy. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. it, you think comedy, you think kind of either lowbrow or, or I don't know. I'm trying to think of like, like a Juno or something, but then you've got this where it toes that fine line between that's really funny. And Oh my God, I've never thought of it that way. Or what the hell would I do in that situation? And there's a lot going on here. A lot to unpack when you watch it. Mm-hmm. Well, and the curse you've got on one hand, an almost total freedom and then a complete lack of freedom. Cause you can never escape the same day, but because you're always going to reset there's no consequences to whatever you do in the in that day. Initially, you're you're worried about those consequences, and then once you realize that you may never get out of it, you know you think you, there aren't any consequences. But at the same time, in the back of your mind, it's kind of I'd be wondering, you know, what if tomorrow it does change and I've just did all these horrible things? Yeah when do, when does the loop break? And watching this one and watching Russian Doll, and then getting up in the morning and going to work. And walking the same five blocks down, taking a left five blocks down, one block down to get to work. I mean, it, I, I have to say this last week with watching these movies kind of screwed with me because it was it was kind of that fuck here. I'm literally doing the same goddamn thing again. Maybe walk a different route to work. I mean, it's I have no other choice. It's six blocks down, one block left. You know, it's when do I take get a, off at a different stop? When do I take a I, there is no other stop. It's the end. <laughs> I get off at the end. There is no, if I get off before that, I'm walking 30 miles in and that's not fun. Well, get off a stop early and then Uber in. That's different. At least (laughs) (laughs) Uber in from route 59. That's (laughs) Oh, having a groundhog moment. Yeah. I mean, mean, and that's, and that five stars. Yikes. And then I think that is one of the, one of the things that, you know, that resounds with people when, when they're watching this is how many people have, the day, you know, you come, you go to work, you do this, you get on the, get on the plane or get on the train, you go home, blah, blah, blah. I mean, how often do, are we living in this groundhog day that we just sort of accept? It's funny. Just this morning, my wife was surprised when uh, I let her know that I, I, my routine, which I've talked about at length, how it's, it's so structured, it's practically church, but like, I know to the minute if I'm ahead or behind, when I get in my car, I look at the time. And if it's not specifically like 723, I know I'm either early or late. Mm-hmm. Usually it's 723. Yeah. The only difference is, is that we have consequences. Well, and, and I think part of the part of it is, is that like with myself, I commuted on the same train every day. You know, I have my early train that I normally get on and I have the train that I met, I get on in case I miss that train. I have so two trains and it's the same people. It's so weird because we're, I mean, the whole freaking world, we're stuck in this Groundhog Day. Get up, we get on the train, we sit where we normally sit, we see the same people, we don't know what their names are, but you ever get on the train to go to work and uh, what was it like, some person showed up that was going, get on the train and they sat down in, I guess, somebody else's undeclared spot. On the because everybody kind of like I said, everybody sits in the same place. Somebody else sat in the wrong set in their spot, and then when that person, other person showed up, it was like their whole morning was shook. <laughs> it was like they got on the train, like, oh yeah, all right, what? There's a person there. There wasn't a person there yesterday. Is this person going to be there forever? Will they be there tomorrow? Have I lost my spot? And you know, and then eventually you saw that whole like 
that whole process going there and they sat down next to him. But I mean, you ever get on a train at a different time and you're sitting around, you're looking around, you're not seeing the same people and everything is off. I just, I think for somebody who does a commute and the work thing every day, this movie, while it's funny and while I do laugh at it, it's kind of like by the end of the movie, I'm like, <laughs> I'm living that. <laughs> I suppose how much of that is existential terror also depends on how much routine comforts you. Like my morning routine wouldn't be so ritualized if I didn't find it comforting in some way. Yeah, I like I like the sameness of it. I mean, there are occasions where I'm like, dude, I really got to do something different just for a little bit. But uh, yeah, I find that kind of continuity is is helpful for me personally. That's when he makes a sandwich with mustard and mayo. And the peanut butter? Dude, read my blog again. <laughs> like legit, that's true. You guys joke, but like I probably five days a week, I do literally the same thing from waking up at six o'clock until I leave at 723 with almost no variation. I eat the same meal every day. Yeah, same breakfast too. and the same lunch. Yep. Same breakfast, same lunch. And I uh, the only thing that uh, is really different is when I'm playing a couple of games of Hearthstone right after I get back from taking the dog out. Do I win or lose? Win or lose, I'm getting off the game at 630 to get in the shower. Yeah, my dinners is the only thing that are different. And then the weekends, of course, you know, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, always. Yep. Depending on what's going on. Those is, that's where things get a little different. But after work, after I get home. Otherwise, it's always the same. Mm-hmm. Every single day of my life is completely different than every other one. That would drive me nuts. I need something. I need a good balance between the two. Because, you know, I, you guys know I have a real short attention span. <laughs> like the other day I went to work and uh, I was supposed to close, but the cash game didn't even get off. So I just dealt the tournament and went home. Then the very next night, a game that's, you know, sometimes goes 16 hours only went for like two and a half hours and I went home again. But some of those days, you know, I'll work for 16. Some days I'll work for 10 hours. Some days I'll work for eight hours. I never know when I feel tired, I go to sleep. So there's no, there's no rhyme or reason to any of my life because I have insomnia on top of it. So part of that is because my work schedule is so messed up. So I have no, I have no routine to my life at all. Yeah. Very different lives. Yep. But groundhog day. Yeah. Oh, we got, I mean, we're still sort of on track. It's just like, I find this sort of discussion much more interesting that, hey, remember the part where Phil came out? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, something like this where every single day would be the same thing over and over again, it would drive me insane. I wonder how long it would take, if I was stuck in a situation like this, how long would it take any of us to go, well, fuck this, if I'm going to do this and I remember it, I might as well start learning how to play the piano. I would be fascinated by the individual relationships that happen in very, like I'd want to see every possible scene that happens everywhere I could get to it at whatever given hour. Yeah. I would want to know everything that's happening. That If I'm going to be trapped in this thing for 24 hours, I want to know every single thing that's going on. So we're going to play, we're all going to play it like a choose your own adventure book. Well, yeah, it's like, okay, if I get up right when the alarm goes off and I immediately run and like look down this hallway, who am I going to see talking to whom? Mm. Like, what what could I do to actually see individual scenes without fucking them up? Because obviously, if I throw something through a window, everyone's going to be reacting to that. But there are these scenes that without my interference would play out the same way over and over and over again. And I want to see them all. And find out which ones you need to interfere with, which ones need help, which, you know, yeah. this and that and the other. Yeah, then you start iterating because you're like, okay, well, if I interfere with this one, this is going to cause a series of additional predictable new scenes. I mean, I... I what happens if I'm not there to catch the boy and he falls on the ground? Found out, okay, something pretty awful. He's paralyzed for the rest of his life. So let's make sure we go and catch him every day. I don't know. I think I'd be like him when he's sitting in the restaurant, smoking a cigarette and eating... Just whatever he wants. That'd be me. I'd be like, all right, what am I going to eat today? I'm yeah, you could do that for a while, for sure. I'd just live it up for, for a bit. As Jim Jeffrey said in one of his stand-ups, you know, that's the problem with eternity. Eventually, no matter what it is, you'd get bored of doing it. Huh? Just look at the good place. Yep. For those of you who haven't seen the last season. Uh, not there yet. Not there. Yep. Yeah. That, that's something they delve into, though. I mean, as far as problems go, that's that's one I'd like to tackle, personally. <laughs> I'm a big fan of the Woody Allen quote. I don't plan to achieve immortality through my work. I plan to achieve it by not dying. <laughs> That's one of my favorite quotes. I love that quote. Yeah. I mean, there there is some 
thought process with the whole possibility of, of not having anything specific to do necessarily and being able to repeat things and do whatever you want. But yeah, definitely. I think after a while I would get to, okay, how do I get out of this? I, I need something different in my life. You know, like you've almost get, it's like eating something really rich. You only want it for so long before you really have to cleanse your palate or, or go to something different. Well, it's funny how you talk about that because they delve into that concept a little bit more when we get to our second half in Russian Doll, not with uh, the main character who you meet first. But yeah, we'll get back to that because that, that's a big part of like Alan's character. Other than going over the, our favorite scenes, do we have more to say about Groundhog Day? Yeah, are we ready to take the break and come back and really uh, get into Russian Doll? Favorite scene... I want to know what you, on a, a scale of one to 10, how much do you laugh when he finally punches Needle Nose in the face? <laughs> <laughs> Am I right? That's what I thought, right. Pat. Phil, <laughs> Ned, whack. That first step is a doozy. I love Steven Tobolowsky and just about everything he does. He plays a good bad guy also. Yeah. If you've ever seen him play a bad guy. In Deadwood, he was great. Garfield. <laughs> God bless it. You played a bad guy in Garfield. You are you are semi retarded. It has got Bill Murray in it. Shut your face hole. We yeah. we need to get you a helmet. The, Brecken Meyer. The only reason he's in Garfield is because he didn't know what the hell the movie was about. He's not Steve Dahl. What? All right. I I think the train is off the rail. Definitely time for a break. Oh, I'm talking about Garfield. Hello, everybody, and welcome to 40 Going On 14. I am Mike. I am Patrick. I'm Joel. And I'm Josh. And I gotta get up, gotta get out, because I got you, babe. Wait. What? I have the most amazing case of deja vu right now. All right, so 2019 on Netflix released the limited limited show. What is it called? We used to call it miniseries. We call it a miniseries now? I think it's just a series. A series? Yeah. yeah. I right, mean, look call- at all the like BBC shows. They only run like eight episodes for two seasons and they're done. Mm. Well, if it's Ricky Rick Gervais. I wish we, I, I hope someday we'll be able to do a show on Shogun. That's my dream. That was once we do that, I'm shutting down the show. <laughs> then we're never doing that show. Well, shit. I played my hand. God bless it. Okay. So Russian Doll. 2019 Netflix show, a cynical young woman in New York City keeps dying and returning to the party that's being thrown in her honor of her birthday on the same evening. She tries to find a way out of this strange time loop to no avail. Or does she? Dun, dun, dun. Does she finally find a veil? She finds a veil. A Vicky Vale. Who is that? Vicky Vale. (laughs) (laughs) This is... God bless it. So directed by a group of Leslie Headland, who's done shows such as was part of the writer on The Bachelorette about last night, the remake, which I'm not looking forward to ever doing and something called Sleeping with Other People. Uh, Also a Jamie Babbitt, who uh, did some of that, who's also part of a But I'm a Cheerleader, Silicon Valley, which she was a director on there and also HBO's Girls and Natasha Leon directed one episode. Uh, she is also for some episodes of Orange is the New Black, and she played Jessica in American Pie. Oh, yeah. And she was our lead in this show. Yeah, she was the lead, yeah. Natasha. Nadia Volkov, however you say that name. Voldikov? Voldikov, yes. Writing credits range from the previously mentioned people to a, a very unusual name that I saw on this when I was watching the credits. Amy Poehler. Yep. Mm-hmm. And apparently this woman has a dark side. She's not all sunshine, rainbows, and uh, unicorn farts. <laughs> no, that's Leslie Nope. Oh, Leslie Nope. Okay, that's where I got it wrong. And color-coded binders. Color- yeah. She's got created by credits for all 16 episodes on this one. And it, it took me aback when I saw that. Yeah, I thought that was really cool. Uh, it's not something that was just 
like a vehicle for her to do more stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's got a pedigree. Yeah. And it, it, the, one of the things that, that they boasted about it was that it was an all-female creative team uh, oh. for the show. Well, I mean, she's got a lot of writing credits. I mean, she did a a show, a TV series that back in 1998 called The Swarm. You know, she's got some some writing stuff. Going down, we've got Natasha Leone as Nadia for eight episodes. Charlie Barnett as Alan. Uh, Greta Lee as Maxine. Elizabeth Ashley as Ruth. Rebecca Henderson as Lizzie. Jeremy Bob as Mike. Doing his best, Jack Nicholson. Mm-hmm. Ritesh Rajan as Farhan. Yul Vasquez as John. John Ray's Dasha. And then we just get into a bunch of other people. Well, oh, wait, wait, a oh, horse. Brendan Sexton is horse. And randomly, Burt Young. Who was phenomenal, by the way. Agreed. Did you guys recognize Brandon Sexton? No. No. It's not fucking Warren. What? Empire Records? Oh, oh yeah. my God. He was a shoplifter. Oh, no shit. Yep. God, how long? First time I saw it, I was like, why is he so familiar? And I looked it up and went, holy shit, it's fucking Warren. God, how long has it been since I've watched Empire Records? <laughs> there you go. Wow. And then Chloe 70, of course. All right. So, hey, listeners out there, Empire Records, what's something we can do it for the now? Let me know, because I want to have a reason to watch it again. You don't have to have a reason to watch it again. I mean, but I have a reason to take notes. Oh, sure. Right. So this is co-created by Leslie Headland, Natasha Leone, Amy Poehler, according to Leone. They pitched it to Netflix as a three-season series, making two more seasons possible if it is a success with viewers. Well, we're getting two out of three at least. Yeah. Uh, Gotta Get Up was the producer's first choice for Nadia's reset song, but they also considered Crazy Feeling by Lou Reed, Not Tonight by Lil' Kim, and No Fun by The Stooges. Hmm. They gotta- Which, I, I think they went the right route, although that song is fucking stuck in my head. Right? I found myself humming it. I mean, and then and then you're on the train, and you're humming that song. Uh, existential Despair. 12 o'clock. <laughs> All right, the series features a similar premise to Groundhog Day and premiered on February 1st, 2019, the day before Groundhog Day, which is every February 2nd. Groundhog Day itself premiered February 4th. Conspiracy? We may never know. Read the book. According to Wikipedia, it was February 12th. (gasps) I don't know how reliable that is. Yeah. In Elizabeth Ashley's character's home... There's a picture of her and real-life second ex-husband, George Papard, on the mantle. I thought that was a fun little Easter egg. That is cool. Anything that has George Papard. I love when a plan comes together. Yeah. Uh, The video game level in which Ellen is seen playing from the game that Nadia made features a wizard-like character which looks like Nadia. The player has to reach her while avoiding deadly traps, but Alan keeps failing and returning to the beginning of the level. This mirrors the events of the show in that Ellen is meant to connect with Nadia, but keeps dying and resetting before figuring out how to do so. So Makes sense. Yeah. All right. First viewing for all of us? Oh, yeah. No. Well, not for everybody. Oh. Yeah, not for Joel. Nope. This is my second time through. I watched it with Laura last year, and seeing it for the very first time, I was like, wait, what just happened? Oh, we got to watch another episode. <laughs> And then watching it again, I was able to go back and go, okay, now what's coming? Now I'm looking for little things here and there. Nice. Which I got I got one once we're done. Towards the end, once we get to the end of the series. But you, for you guys, it was all the first time, right? You all, you all watched it all mm-hmm. the way through? Mm-hmm. Now, did, it, 100%. Yeah. Uh, first time viewing, uh, one of the things came out of there. Did everybody see the James Franco cameo? No, I did not. I was looking for it after you mentioned it. Mm-hmm. He shows up at the party, and he doesn't have even have any words. Nope, he's just a random homeless-looking dude. Mm-hmm. And then he, in the next morning, what is it that, I, I forget, is it Ellen that wakes up in the bed at the party? Yeah. But he's he's laying in the bed the night the next morning. Oh, he's the other guy in the bed when Ellen wakes yeah. up? Yeah. I didn't realize that. Yeah. Okay. So, but yeah, that was that was pretty cool. 
And speaking of fun cameos, not quite as as interesting as that one, but the guy in the first episode that's at the deli that's talking to Ferran and she keeps interrupting him and he's got the beard and the the short hair. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, that was Buzz from uh, uh, Home Alone. Huh. Yep. He's he's also was in The Tick, but he's done a lot of little things here and there. But yeah, that was that was him. I was like, hey, what are you doing in there? Nice. So this has been on my list of things to watch for the longest time. Me too. Yeah. I started watching it and finished the entire series in like two days. Because it is it was definitely one of those. What the hell just happened? If I don't watch the next ep- next episode, I'm not going to know what the hell that just meant. I really enjoyed Natasha Leone as Nadia, even though Natasha Leone is apparently a blonde. Which, if you if you look at her, she's the Nikki Nichols in Orange as a New Black. Hmm. Yeah. So, but I I really enjoyed her character. Her character grew on me immediately, and I went through this whole like love hate relationship with her. Like at the very beginning, I felt a lot of empathy for her. Like kind of like she's trying to figure out what's going on. And about episode four or five. I'm like, you're not as good a person as I thought you were. I just remember getting to the end of the first episode. My first thought was, this is the most New York thing I've ever seen. (laughs) (laughs) I can agree with that. Well, I was thinking about it today and I was like, you know, it was weird to me the first time I saw it because we didn't, we just hit play, you know, she's like, I want to check this out. I'm like, "Ah, I'm interested. I didn't realize they were half an hour episodes, but I think if it, if you would have done like, hour-long episodes or made it into a movie, it wouldn't have worked the same way because you almost needed those kind of little short chunks of time to really make it work and to have it end on that odd little uh, almost cliffhanger. I agree with you. I think for a time loop show, I almost kind of wish that they had done Groundhog Day, the miniseries, I think would have been pretty good. Just because there would have been a lot of like he, you know, he dies or what happens at the end, and you kind of, you you go to the end try and figure out what's happening next. There, there were a couple things going on with this one. I, I actually, this is rocketed to the top of my time loop entertainment just in general, and part of it is because it manages to be about so many different things. It manages to be about mental health, addiction, video game narratives, connections between strangers, like all at once, and not be preachier too much. And I was really impressed. Family issues, yeah, for sure. Yeah, suicide. I mean, there's a yeah, you know, there's a ton of deep issues in this. Yeah, there's a lot to unpack, and it also is the first time in my memory I could think of a time travel time loop thing where you've got two characters that are both experiencing the same thing, but they have wildly different perspectives on it. In fact, I'm not used to seeing two of them experiencing the same thing. Period. Yeah, the reveal that there was somebody else going to do the same thing in the elevator was that was really well done. Yeah. yeah. Holy shit. Yeah, when that moment happened the first time, <laughs> I was like, what the fuck just happened? I told myself I was I was going to stop watching at that point at the end of that episode and then that happened. I'm like, well, okay, I guess I'm watching the next episode. What the fuck was that? Like, <laughs> like right? gotcha. Yeah, that was a definitely a wait what? <laughs> it's okay. I keep dying all the time. Yeah, and the introduction of Alan I 100% was expecting Nadia to have this whole, I mean, just like just like Groundhog Day. I think the twist of adding another person in and finding their fates twisted between each other kept me going every time I wanted to watch it. I mean, because instead of just having Nadia, who's reliving the party every time, who went more and more, I mean, for at least for the part of it, more hedonistic as it went on. And then Alan, who's like, I have to go, I have to regulate every single thing that I do. You have two completely different personalities dealing with this was a great plot point. Well, and the fact that Nadia is so disorganized and kind of like we were talking about earlier, how, you know, some of us have very strict regimented routines like like Charlie and then other, you know, then Patrick has kind of this more Nadia lifestyle where it's a little bit more free spirit, a little bit less less structure and one of the things that I really liked about this is that you do get that kind of consistency in the beginning. And then as things progress, when you're like, okay, I get it now, everything's this, that, and the other, all of a sudden the fish disappears. And then the people at the party start disappearing. Or, and then, and the, you know, and the, and the flowers and the fruit start rising. Yeah, that was the first thing that I noticed is that, and they mentioned absolutely nothing about it. 
was when and those are the little things. Yeah, yeah, the plants are the the flowers are wilting, the fruit starts rotting. But then when she cut it open and the fruit is still fresh inside, it was it uh, it was one of those moments where I like I she explained it like the time is going differently, and I was like wait wait back it up rewind that, let's re listen to that. I'm like oh my god that's what's happening, it and then the whole gas leak thing, it I I really really enjoyed this show and I think. One of the things that it showed is that you you have that intertwining of it. Now, now, what about the ending with the parade? And that's where I wanted to tell you guys something that I don't know if you caught. Uh Oh, I was doing a little bit of a deep dive on this today because I I finished the series and I'm like, I liked it just as much this time, if not more, the second go around. And so I started kind of reading up on it because I knew that they had planned it out as a a three part series. I'm like. Because when we first watch it, we're like, how are they going to do this as another series if it becomes popular? And then I found out it was kind of planned. Well, at the end of that episode, so you've got their them in two separate timelines. And then as the parade happens with Horse, they end up merging and then they're back in the same timeline again. But there's a sequence, you blink and you miss it, where Nadia is walking and right before she yells two other Nadia's walk past her one on either side. Wait, what? Yep. Right. As she's about to, to do her little yell at the end. And then before it goes to the, the credits, two other Nadia's walk past her. Yes. And they were in the old coat that she wore before she was in like the Heather gray coat. Yep. Cause there's a clue when the scenes merge, if you're watching the wardrobe that, at the very end, when the two Nadias walk past her, the Nadia with the white shirt, who is the one that's like aware of everything, who's who's not the one that was going to go with Mike and walk in front of a car, is in the same one in the same scene with the Alan with the scarf, who is also the awake one. So, so they reunite in the final seconds. It kind of makes sense because they only merged two of the timelines and they showed that there were four different timelines. Well, and Nadia talks about earlier, she's like, how many of these people are now having to live with the fact that we keep dying? Their timeline keeps going on with that particular death, but we reset. She's like, she was, you know, Mm kind of going this hopeful theory about timelines continue on, but for us, they keep starting over. So what's happening in those timelines? What are those? She's like, you know, uh, I forget her her pseudo mom, uh, Ruth. Ruth, you know, she's like, she has to grieve, but she's by herself. Oh, the scene where Ruth shot her. Yeah. That, oh, oh, that was rough. Well, and Joel makes a really good point because like both Alan and Nadia grow so much throughout the course of their loops, but they grow partially because they lend each other strength. And then they go into this kind of final boss mo- moment where they have to save each other but they have to do it alone. Their support network has been ripped out from under them. Mm -hmm. And it's kind of heartbreaking. That was, I think was the biggest, Oh shit moment of the entire series was when I I finally realized that those two are running on completely different timelines. It was so brilliantly done where they, they're doing the exact same thing. They're going to the exact same place and you don't realize it until they, they're like, Oh, you know, Hey, and then they realize, Oh shit, you're the old version right oh, that that moment they finally fixed themselves and now they have to try and fix each other your stomach just drops mm-hmm. and it's rough while i am not nearly as I, I i feel like a combination of the two characters sometimes i'm as messed up as nadia sometimes i'm as neurotic as alan and you look at the two of them they almost make like each a half of a complete being like in some ways they're the exact opposite where they would almost cancel each other out. If you pushed them too close together. Hmm. Yeah. Where she's out of control and into drugs. He is super regimented with his life plans out everything, male, female, tall, short, hmm. uh, white of color, etc. Yeah. In a lot of ways it is like they are the two sides of the same coin, the old, uh, chestnut, the yin and yang of, so to speak. Yeah. And I don't know if it would have worked as well. And I'm, I mean, that's the design is that that's the way it was supposed to be. But, you know, if they were too similar, it, it, it just wouldn't have it wouldn't have worked the same way. I don't think I want to throw a quick shout out to the, the line that made me actually like physically laugh out loud. And I had to pause it and rewind it and listen to it again. 
when Alan is getting drunk and they're in the bar and he says, I could fuck you better than Mike. And her response to that made me, made me laugh so damn hard. She, Looks like someone threw a gauntlet right into my poos poos. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that line made me laugh so fucking hard. Does Tribble love poos poos? <laughs> there was another moment a little earlier, which I thought, once I thought about it for a second, I was like, holy shit, what does this say about Nadia? Not only does she get to the place where war dog is when she's not even supposed to know that he's dealing, but she gets into the secret back room without uh, anyone telling her the password. And when she gets there, war dog is not surprised to see her there. Mm -hmm. What does that say about her character? He gave her the password. It was a previous loop though. He had never given her the password. Yep. And I I remember thinking about that. It's like, why is he so calm about this? Yeah, she found out, A, that he was dealing, and B, he told her the password in previous loops. She comes back in a fresh loop, walks right to his place, walks into the back of his drug den, giving the password that no one told her. And War Dog is not surprised in the least. I have to say. Oh, I see what you're saying. Even even though War Dog was only in a couple episodes, he was a pretty cool character. Yeah. So are you thinking that he's doing the same thing no i i think it's awesome that her character is such that she is such a like crazy drug person that she could just walk back into this place where she has no business being and he's like hey nadia he's not surprised at all that she's there Mm -hmm. that's just the kind of person she is no i don't think there's anything like special about him time-wise no because we only saw him for a couple episodes and he never came back now as far as this continuing on there's a part of me when I first saw it that I'm like that ended. It was strange, but it ended in and it felt good. I'm curious where they go with this. Mm-hmm. Cause I don't, I don't think that they can ruin it, but I also am not sure how it plays out, you know? And it's, it's, I'm curious. I'm very curious to see what happens. Well, especially considering they've already done a deep dive on their pasts like that. That's done. So, yeah, I'm very interested to see what they're going to do. All right. So are we are are we reaching the end of things to say about this? Yeah, I, guess? I think we may be. <laughs> There's a lot to unpack in this in, in these eight episodes. There really is very well written. It's very dense. Like you said earlier, there's a lot of topics in this and. There's too much for us to get into in just half an hour. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I think we might be done. Well, and there's part of part of me anyway that if somebody else is going to watch it, I don't want to spoil oh, it too much. Bullshit. Spoil it. I mean, they, they knew what they were getting into, yeah. I, I would hope, by now. You knew the risks. True. All I right. Say, let them crash. Yeah. It's, I, I, it's true, but still, just I, saying. But, yeah, I, I really I do... Yeah, you know, spoil. I guess let's go ahead and do the thumbs up. But I'm definitely a thumbs up for Groundhog Day, and definitely a thumbs up for Russian Doll. It was ever since I saw the trailer, I was interested in watching it. I'm glad we chose this as a topic because I'm not sure I would have watched it on my own, mm-hmm. but I'm glad I did. I really liked it a lot. Yep, I'm a thumbs up on both, of course, Groundhog Day and Russian Doll, and I'm glad I waited to watch it because I think if I had watched it previously, I wouldn't have had the same reaction. I definitely like I, I've always been a huge thumbs up for Groundhog Day. And like I said, when we got to the second half, I, I am into time loops. And this right now is my favorite. Russian Doll is now my favorite piece of time loop entertainment. For me, it even eclipses Groundhog's Day. And that's probably because I got so many episodes to really get into the characters like who they are. Mm-hmm. Well, and you guys know me. I'm I like time travel. So, you know, the the whole idea of this this concept just fascinates me you mentioned happy death day i mean that both those movies deal with the same kind of topic in a very different way thumbs up all the way around 100 percent. if you could time travel joel all you would do is just like get yourself out of awkward situations <laughs> no i'd get myself into more awkward situations <laughs> You'd be probably like, uh, let's go back in time and and not say that thing i said that one time and then i'll <laughs> say something far worse <laughs> I just fuck up my entire life. Joel just jumps back in time. Oh, man. I, did you just do your hair? Oh, I'm sorry. I said that. Jump back in time. Oh, man. Hitler was right. 
<laughs> Joel, what the hell, man? <laughs> we never become friends. All right, so Joel, what are we doing next week? Ah, next week, we're going to kiss the old Blarney Stone. I beg your pardon? Yeah, we're going to talk about St. Patrick's Day. Oh, I guess Mike's out. Yeah, I am actually not going to be around. Kissing the Blarney Stone? Fuck that. Yeah, I ain't. Ah, <laughs> uh, you fool me once. <laughs> but we don't want the Irish. You're going to be Donald Duck. Oh, you're getting the Irish. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, actually, for the next show, we have a. I am going to be out of town, and we have a guest host who is my brother. So, if you remember any of the stories that I have told previously about the little lad, specifically Robocop, he is going to be on the show. So, uh, give him some phone calls. Matthew. Matthew. Yeah, Matt. He'll be on. Uh, He's been on here before. Yeah. I mean, the last time he. God, what was the last time he was on? It's a long it's time. On, yeah, it's got to have been over 200 episodes ago. He says, freaking out. <laughs> it's before I think he was married and had a child. For sure. Really certain. Holy shit. Wow, yeah, that is true. All right, so if you have any thoughts about any of the crazy time tra- travel stuff we talked about, uh, have some trivia we maybe missed, uh, let us know. Give us a call at 708-NOW-RAP. That's 708-669-9727. Yep, and again, our older stuff, iTunes, Podcasts, Blueberry, Stitcher, TalkShoe, Podverse FM, Podchaser. We are all over the web. Find us, listen to us, love us. Oh, Yeah. Slowly. Kiss our Blarney Stone. I'm getting the coconut oil. I'm Donald Ducking it. What the hell is wrong with you people? What is happening? (laughs) (laughs) Why does your Donald Duck sound like someone's scratching? (laughs) I don't know. That sounded like Donald Duck doing a porn bass line. (laughs) (laughs) And I have a new fetish. There you go. Get with her now. (laughs) 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 hello everybody and welcome to 40 going on 14 i am mike i am patrick i'm joel and i'm josh and i gotta get up gotta get out because i got you babe burlap burlap excuse me burlap knapsack jimmy jimmy slap slap <laughs> what? I don't know. <laughs> it's just stupid enough to catch me off guard. <laughs> Yay! Let's see. <laughs>